Welcome to Falcons Drip, your go-to source for Falcons news and draft coverage. I'm Thon Ray, founder and voice of Falcons Drip. Welcome back, everybody, to Falcons Drip Radio. Um, I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff. What a disappointing Sunday. Yeah, that, that was tough almost from start to finish. I know we hung with them for a little while, but not being able to put points up when you take the opening kickoff from them and you start in the red zone is is not a enjoyable way to start a game. I would say that first series of events define the game. You start off opening kickoff, quadrilles and comes down, knocks the ball out. Richie Grant picks it up. You know, Richie Grant's in the game for whatever reason, like sometimes plays just happen. They ball finds his way to him. He forces fumbles, whatever. But then we have the ball in the red zone. We get down to the one and we cannot punch it in from there. And that just felt like the story of the day. Like, we continued to make plays, but when the game was on the line and it really mattered, we faltered. Well, really, they just out-physicaled us. I think from start to finish, I think they really dominated at, at the line, and we just couldn't do anything when it really mattered. I mean, you look at a, like that series of plays where we couldn't punch it in from the one. We had four plays and couldn't figure it out. We missed at least one other fourth and one where we again couldn't get 1 yard because they just they just dominated at the point of attack and that's that. And I'll say this too like I, I think them overturning that uh, that Patterson touchdown. I mean I think that was pretty bogus. Like I don't know how you could have overturned it. Like it wasn't clear cut in my opinion. I could see if they call that no touchdown on the field and then they said okay, yeah, it's not a touchdown. I just don't see how how that gets overturned. But that's neither here nor there because we didn't punch it in anyways. Right, and and we lost by more than seven points. Like, yes, it would have been helpful, but you got to win the whole game to have that really matter. I mean, we just weren't we weren't a part of it. Like I said, I think that just that really defined the whole game. And you could have watched that that first five minutes of the game, that first three minutes of the game, and that that summed it all up really. Like just being un being unable to execute when it mattered. Let's just kind of stick towards like the offense and maybe even some of the play calling. Like Arthur Smith calls some of these unconventional plays. If, if they had worked, we would have gone like, "Holy cow, that's amazing! What a play call!" Whatever. Like the pass to Lee Smith in the end zone. I would have loved that play if it worked. I mean, I would have been going nuts, but it didn't work. So now everybody's sitting there questioning, okay, like what what is going on here with this play calling? Then on that fourth and one towards the end, we put Patterson in the game and we run a flip play, which, okay, I don't like the QB sneak has worked every time we've run it the last three games. So I would like to see a little more of that, but running a flip play is one thing. And then you run it towards Nick Bosa, who's the best player, probably the best player in the game. In that entire game, I would say Nick Bosa is the most talented and you're going to run it at him. I just think that's kind of crazy to me. Well, to make it even crazier, we had tried that similar play multiple times already in short-yarded situations, and it had already failed multiple times. So you forget that it's a it's even against Nick Bosa. It's clearly a play that hasn't worked all game. They they were were a very swarming defense, and we think it's going to suddenly work against their best player. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it just. I- and, and, you know, it, it was it really felt like nothing could get going, right? Like, 
Matt Ryan at one point was screaming at the offensive line. He was yelling at the coaches to get the plays in faster. Like it felt like there wasn't, there was a lack of an intensity on both sides of the ball that very few players had. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think Matt should have been yelling at the offensive line. I mean, he had a, he had a really rough day and it wasn't yep. all his fault by any means. At one point, Matt was pressured 27 out of 35 dropbacks. So that's like close to 80%. Yeah, it's impossible to play quarterback when you're getting pressured on like 80% of your your dropbacks. Like like you said, I mean, I think like the league leading rate for defensive pressures is around like 30% or something like that. So it's not even like in the same ballpark. 80% is there's almost no way to even process what's going on around you because you're just trying not to die Mm. i mean matt may have ran the ball more times like scrambled out of the pocket more times than he ever has in his career and it's not because he wants to yard per rush matt led the team yeah and he has no intention of trying to to win that ever i mean he would be happy if he never if if he never if he had zero yards he'd be happy tough to watch and like you said only a few guys really felt like they really brought it this week I mean offensively you have Gage and and Matt for sure and then defensively Foyer was I think I know you should probably get back to offense but Foyer was really the only guy defensively that I saw consistently being physical in a very physical game he was one of the only ones really consistently making strong tackles and bringing the energy, I guess I would say. like He just, just felt like the only guy at times. Foyer was physical. He was smart. He was consistent. The The only thing was, and it wasn't his fault, I mean, he had offensive linemen climbing up to him almost every single play because they could one-on-one block our entire defensive line. Yeah, and then you also have Kittle and Juszczyk, who are both excellent blockers. They didn't even have to they, – you talk about – offensive line could go one-on-one those guys were just running free into the second level too mm-hmm. very very difficult to make a play for our defense yeah it, it's it's a shame it's a shame really the whole the whole thing i mean we talked about it last week how do you win we had to stop the run we had to get to the quarterback which we did neither of we couldn't let their big time playmakers make plays and we had to make plays ourselves when you look at this game it just in general offensively defensively how many players could you sit there and go wow he made a play four, four guys five guys you had gage was making plays matt ryan was making plays moving around the pocket and somehow getting the ball off Pitts made a couple plays and, and by a play i mean like you say whoa like you did something better than you were supposed to do not like you know zacchaeus had a 49 yard catch but he got open he caught the ball got tackled Mike Davis made a play on it was a third and seven, I believe, and he got eight yards running the ball. The the only real facet of the game where we had guys really competing was special teams. Mm-hmm. That's where you have Allison forcing the fumble and Grant picking it up. Avery Williams did an outstanding job of getting us good field position consistently. I'm so excited for what his future is gonna look like. No, he he seems to be getting better as the year goes on and we we should have high hopes for him. And then you have Morstead doing a good job punting. But I mean, it's at the point where we've completely taken Patterson off special teams. One, because he's been such an offensive weapon for us. But at the end of the day, he's one of the best returners of all time. And we have the luxury of taking him off because of how well Avery Williams is looking. Yeah, and I, I think we should feel comfortable doing that. 
So using Patterson on offense has been fantastic for us. He's had a career year offensively. It's worked out great for us. It's given us a luxury that most teams don't have. I mean, look at (laughs) Hasty for the 49ers. He fumbled the opening kickoff, let the second kickoff bounce off of him and went out of bounds at like the 11. Like other teams don't have returners like we do. It's one of the few positions on the team where we can say, we are outclassing the rest of the NFL. Absolutely. And, and you know, can't forget about Koo. Of course. Well, Koo's good. Morstead did great. Avery Williams did great. Our kickoff coverage obviously did great. We got to resign Koo and Morstead to long-term deals. Like, let's just keep those guys on for a while. Yeah, of course. I, I think, but getting back to the offensive guys, I mean, Gage played, Gage played his heart out. I mean, he... He got crushed on some of the balls he caught. I mean, he had the amazing touchdown catch. He started off with the drop, but after that, he played a near-perfect game, and it, it was a painful one, I'm sure. Like, he got killed over the middle a couple times. Absolutely. And, you know, I've kind of called Gage out all year long, and really in the last few weeks, and especially Sunday, he's come to play. I mean, he's really showed up. He's looking like a very legit wide receiver too in this league and possibly more. I mean, that play, that play where he went up and mossed the guy, like that's wide receiver one ask. Def- definitely. A hundred percent it is. That's the Russell gauge that I had planned on seeing this whole year. I mean, it, you talk about, you know, we're right now we're here still guys. We're still fighting. We're still competing. Some things have to go our way. We're not out of the playoffs yet. Could you imagine if we had, kept Calvin or could you imagine if Calvin Ridley hadn't needed to sit out for the year I mean it's a completely different game it's a completely different outcome he makes such a difference on this offense it's so tough to rack up wins when one of your top five best players isn't playing we just need some more help on offense in any sort of way right because realistically Gage I mean he's doing a great job but he's still not or a true number one receiver by any means. He had a great game today. He looked like it today, but he still has trouble at times. And after him, we really don't have a number two. No. I mean, we were sitting there arguing about, you know, we've got Ridley as one, Gages two, like those guys are solid. You know, now we're competing for Zacchaeus, Sharp, Darby, Blake in the slot. And we were talking about that over the summer for those guys to be the wide receiver three. Those None of those guys look like anything more than just role players at this point. No. They haven't they haven't shown to be anything more. We have to figure out a way to get Pitts even more involved. And it may be he needs to be out wide more and just we have other good tight ends. So we might just have to use him as a full time wide receiver at this point. Yeah, and you can do that. I mean, I think part of the problem and I don't want to say part of the problem, but part of what seems like a slow start. I mean, right now he's having a record setting rookie season for a tight end, which it's hard to see because the expectations of him were so, so high coming into the year. But I think part of the the difficulties of playing tight end is especially in Arthur Smith's system. You're asked to do a lot. You have to block, you have to catch, you have to run with the ball. You have to, you know, there's so many different things playing that position is so tough. I think he's where I think we're seeing him learning the offense and struggling a little bit because of how much mental processing that has to go into the to the position. 
that very well could be the case. I I agree that he is having a good year, but we need so, him to... So, so my point would... My, sorry, my point being, just going off what you said, I realize I, I rambled for a little bit, but my point being, like, so I think he's struggling right now to get the tight end position down, so it might that might be the only reason why they haven't started to do that yet is because they're like, okay, he needs to get this down. We need him to rep it. We need him to learn it for, like, future games for next year where yeah we could throw him out at wide receiver how much is he going to help in the long run i'm not saying one way is right and one way is wrong but that could be what they're thinking you very well could be could be right on that i just we need help wide receiver we don't need help at tight end (laughs) kick the guy who can play both out to wide receiver right Mm -hmm. i'm i'm probably oversimplifying it but it just no it makes sense put him out there let hurst and Lee Smith play tight end for us. You know, Keith Smith's playing there too as like the H back tight end uh, move tight end position. You know, he's looked decent. So it, it, it couldn't hurt. I mean, we're at this point in the year, we can't lose another game and we certainly can't play like that. Yeah, and we still have some good defenses coming up. So <laughs> it's not like we have an easy schedule, you know? Yeah. Bills have a great defense. The Saints have a great defense. And the Lions, you know, they're here to play. Yeah, so something has to be figured out, but that's that's for... <laughs> yeah, that's for them. That's for the coaches to figure out at this point. Yep. You know, we can sit here behind a microphone and clam away at all the different things we should do, but at the, the end of the day, they're the ones that are going to have to figure out. And, you know, if it was that easy, we'd be doing it. Certainly. So let's switch over to the defense. I know we talked a little bit, and we just kind of harped on Foyer and his efforts and how good he looked. I would just say overall, it just seemed like, we, first of all, we got no no pressure on the quarterback. And then when we would get pressure, he would dump the ball off. We would take poor angles. You know, Our tackling looked weak. It, it was just you know, not a great day for our defense. No, not at all. And you you say like we didn't get to the quarterback or we didn't get any penetration in general like running passing anything i mean they really controlled the line and it just we were playing catch up on almost every defensive play i mean you talk i mean we talked about making plays right like how many of our defenders made plays fowler got through on on a third down he came through unblocked i mean i'll, I'll count it you know that was a play AJ Terrell had a pass breakup that was really good. That was a play, but at the end of the day, no one else really made a ton of plays. Like, you know, Foyer had a ton of tackles. He really did look good out there, but he was tackling guys after three yards, and then they would be moving, you know, pushing the pile, falling forward for five or six yards. And that's not a knock on Foyer. It's because the offensive line was right in his face. The offensive line, you know, Kittle, Juszczyk, they were – they dominated our, our defensive line got dominated. Yeah. Uh, and it's just so hard to stop a team from scoring when, when that's what's going on, because then you have to commit resources up there like players to stop the run. You have to overcommit. And then you see the play like where Ayuk runs a quick slant and gains what, like 35, 40 yards off just a quick slant. And it, it just, it hurts. They have playmakers all over the place. Like we talked about beforehand. And as soon as they found some space, they hurt, they hurt us big time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we said we couldn't give a lot of cushion this week. So we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's when they really beat us. Like you said, like they were taking slants to the house or, Kittle was getting the ball and 
making moves and we took poor angles and so here's something that's kind of interesting and there is this statistic out there i don't have the numbers in front of me but teams from the east coast that fly to the west coast and play at the four o'clock games are the racket like the the win loss is actually staggering at how much worse teams play because you know and it's theoretically your body is primed and ready to go at one o'clock right you play one o'clock almost weekly and then you're going over across to the other side of the country and now it's four o'clock your body's kind of thinking starting in, in, in wind down mode right yeah but that's, is that true i don't i don't know but I, i'd be more concerned they, about the travel time personally than the timing because that's like playing a night game I mean, it's seven o'clock on the East Coast. It's it's like playing a, a yeah, night but, game. Yeah, but then it would be like both teams are playing a night game, not like one team's playing at their usual time and another team's playing at. You know what I'm saying? I, I get what you're saying, a hundred percent. But I, I really, yeah, it's, it doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> if the numbers, <laughs> if the numbers support it, the numbers support it. <laughs> yeah, I just was speaking out loud stupidly, I guess. No, no, I, it, it. That's what, because that's what I used to think. Like, both, you know, everybody's playing at the same time. But if you're going to bed at three o'clock on the East Coast, that's that's a bad analogy. Yeah, I, but if you're, it it what? it it feels like a, a thing you want to argue. But if the numbers play out that way, then that's that's what it is. You know, like yeah, I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me. I had them. Well, anyways, it, it, it doesn't really matter. the The end of the day is. We didn't come to play. Our defense didn't look great. Excuses or no excuses, like, we should have played better. Yeah, and and really, we just got beat at the point of attack both sides of the ball. And this game could have been a lot closer if we just did a little better there because, you know, we if we score a touchdown on that first drive, that's fantastic. That's another seven points. We missed at least one fourth and one where, you know, maybe we get that. Maybe we get on and score some more points. It, instead of turning the ball over and giving them a shorter field, right? So you just look at it, and it really started with the line play, and we got outclassed on both sides, and that really led to the stark difference in score. Absolutely, and I like Jalen Mayfield still. He's young. He's a, a rookie. He's got a lot of room to work and a lot of room to grow. But that being said, like we need to bring in competition because it's he has not proven himself worthy of being a starter well i want him to have a full off season at the position he's playing right like mm-hmm. i get what we were doing in training camp having him play tackle but it, you really st- they really stunted his development and it couldn't be more obvious when you look at a game like this right like he needs more time at a position he didn't play before this year uh, it's fairly simple like you don't get a ton of practice time in during the season in full pads full contact so we really missed out on on his development there. You know, and he's playing right tackle in training camp. He, he doesn't even get to practice on the left side, and he doesn't get to practice at guard. So he was really just put in a tough spot to enter the year. Yeah, it's it's tough, you know, when, you just, when you're bouncing around like that. Like, it would have been nice if we just slapped him in there, left guard, and just go and figured out right tackle. We, knew, we assumed Caleb McGarry was coming back, and we assumed he was going to win it when he did come back. So it would have been nice if we had, we had figured something out there. Yeah, and it's not like this was all Jalen Mayfield's fault this game. The the whole offensive line had trouble. That's how you get to 27 out of 35 dropbacks of pressure. 
It is in no way just Mayfield who had a, a bad day. No, this was by far Lindstrom's worst day, too. Uh, I don't think he played particularly poorly. Um, I just didn't think he looked as dominant as he usually does. No, and... Which he's allowed. I mean, you're allowed to have bad games. It's just tough when everyone else is... It's tough when everyone else is struggling. And our best guard hasn't one of their down games. No, of course. So, just a tough game overall. Yeah, and and going forward, I mean, win the game. I mean, to win these games, like, we just have to play better. I mean, there's no... At this point in the season, like, there's not too much we can change. Maybe bumping Pitts out a wide receiver. Maybe keeping more guys in the block. You know, maybe playing more press coverage, moving guys up and not giving so much cushion and, you know, sending more players and saying, all right, like, we just got to do it. And I understand the reasoning for not. I understand that Dean Pease wants to play a bend but don't break defense and, you know, not put our defensive backs in positions to be unsuccessful. But, you know, we're, we're not being successful right now, so... No, we're giving up a ton of points. We're we're giving up points all the time. It feels. I mean, we're we're not doing a great job in that regard. This defense has to take some risks because the offense is struggling, and the offense needs to do something different. Because, and I know you said we need to play better. The coaching needs to get better too. Mm-hmm. I feel like we didn't put people always in a good spot to succeed. Talked a little bit about it earlier, but Cordero was having a very tough time, and we kept going to him in crucial situations. And Mike Davis, who actually did pretty well at, on a couple of plays, he's used to working with a little less space than, than Cordero and how to deal with, with real issues, the guys busting through. He really didn't see that much use today. And he's been having he's been playing well the past few weeks. So Sunday. Sunday. Yes, not today. But, <laughs> but you know I you, knew what you meant. Yeah. It's yeah. just I think I think the coaching needs to to get better too. I mean, the players definitely need to play better, but they also need to be in positions where they can play better. And I think it's just tough, right? Everyone's really learning the system. Everybody's learning the plays. The coaches are figuring out the players. Like the coaches don't sit there and go, "Oh yeah, like this is going to be a terrible play call." Like let's do that. They they call the plays that they think are going to be most successful, and they're not always executed appropriately. Sometimes it's the players that mess it up. Sometimes they call a play, and you know the other teams play too. Like this 49ers team, they got hot at the right time, and they're playing really well. And we had opportunities to win, and we just weren't able to capitalize. But we we can't afford to have mistakes and expect to win these games. Not at all. We had a we had a very fine line to walk to to win a, some of these games to make sure we made the playoffs, and we're just not holding up our end. No, and, and where we are right now, just just to kind of wrap things up, is we are now in a position where we can still make the playoffs. We have to win the rest of our games, and. We need some help. The Saints won. The Saints beat the Buccaneers last night. whoop de doo Doesn't matter. As long as we take care of the Saints when we play them, it doesn't matter what their record is. They can win. They can win the rest of their games. We, it, doesn't, we, we need the Vikings to lose. We need the Redskins. We need the Eagles both to lose, which is tough because they're still playing each other twice. So we need those, we need those two teams to, to probably split and then lose both lose another game. But I think they're also both playing the Cowboys. So I know a lot of people don't like the Cowboys, but you guys better be Cowboys fans for the, for the rest of the season. <laughs> and, and then, 
you got to also watch out for the Seahawks. I don't know how they factor into all of this, like with tiebreakers and that sort of stuff. But if the Seahawks, you know, you guys are probably listening to this. The Seahawks are either playing tonight or they're playing. They've already played, but the Seahawks have to lose one more game as well, whether it be the game on Tuesday or whether it be one of the one of the upcoming games. But we need to win out. We need the Eagles and Washington to each lose two games. We need the Vikings. Hopefully they lose to the Bears also, which you guys have already seen, so you guys know what the outcome is. Hopefully they lost to the Bears. They need to lose to the Bears, and they need to lose to another team also. So Eagles need to lose two more. Vikings need to lose two more. Washington needs to lose two more. And if that happens, we can make the seventh seed. Now, after that, another thing that could help us is the 49ers have to lose out which is unlikely to happen. But if that happens, that would, that would also help us. So going forward, we're rooting against the Eagles, against the Vikings, against Washington, and the 49ers. So today we talked about the tough loss in San Francisco. We talked about what needs to happen in order to make some changes going forward. We talked about the playoff run and what needs to happen in order for us to make us, in order for us to make the playoffs. Before we go, Jeff, any final thoughts? You got a game MVP? Uh, Russell Gage is a game MVP just because he really played his heart out. I mean, and like I said, he put his body on the line. He made big plays. I don't think anybody else really put forth that level of commitment for the Falcons today. Or, yes, Sunday. For the Falcons, Sunday. And just to be different, I would say Matt Ryan. Like, Russell Gage definitely played amazing. Uh, Matt Ryan did everything he possibly could. I mean, he even... There was a point in time it was fourth and goal. He threw a perfect ball to, man, I hate calling people out like this, but he threw it to Christian Blake, who was open in the end zone, and Blake alligator armed it because he knew he was going to get hit. Like Matt Ryan did everything he could. Russell Gage did everything he could. Those two guys definitely need props. Also, too, like people were worried about Matt, Matt Ryan's arm strength, um, and he had a couple of really nice deep balls. So Matt's one of my MVP. Again, this is Thon Ray. You guys can follow us at Falcons underscore drip on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Please make sure you subscribe, follow, whatever you need to do to get the alert for our next episode. If you guys enjoyed today, please leave us a review. It always helps us grow. Until then, see you next time. Rise up. Rise up.